0: stories of some of the world's greatest women unfold here. I am Annette Comer, your host, and each week, the untold secrets of success, strength, and boldness of today's powerful women are revealed. Today's woman grew up being taught to make her own way. She thought she might be a lawyer, but had no passion for it. However, while in college, windsurfing caught her attention, and she went on to become a professional windsurfer and to be the first woman in the world to kite surf. This path eventually led to the film industry. She liked the movie scene and decided this was the place to which she would find her career. She started at the bottom of the movie set, but was a quick learner. Others took notice and she found herself with credits on films that included such stars as Denzel Washington and Clint Eastwood. Eventually, she produced a script and now is quickly becoming one of Hollywood's leading authority figures. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Cece Clary. Hi, Cece. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And I am so excited for our conversation and for you being with me today. So, and we have very little time together, so I'm going to jump right on in. Our egos can get in the way of starting at the bottom, but this is exactly what you did to get into the film industry. Tell me how you managed the ego side of yourself and what was your self-talk?
1: Uh, I never really had an ego. I was always humble. So it, it was frustrating at times when you have to worked so hard and start at the bottom with everything I did. So um, I stayed humble. This is the way I was raised.
0: Okay. And so there wasn't an internal struggle for you then. It just was, it flowed naturally just to do what you had to do to get to the next level.
1: It did flow naturally. A certain point in time, I'd get a little frustrated because I'd be working and working and working and trying to get a break. When it doesn't happen, it's hard to have good self-talk and just keep going. So I did hit those walls at times where I was thinking about, maybe I'll just do something else and then something would happen. Like, okay, I'll keep going again.
0: Did you ever say to yourself, maybe you weren't good enough?
1: Oh yeah, that crossed my mind when I was younger can I do this? Even when I was becoming a professional big wave windsurfer in Hawaii, I I had to train for years to get recognized and get sponsors and do all the big contests. And there's so many times, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, (laughs) but but I had a passion for it and I loved it. So I think that's important to have a passion for something because it keeps you trying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think when you do have a purpose behind something, it does help you get through those times when you think, What am I doing? Why am I doing this? It keeps pushing you forward, for sure. So there are not many women film producers. So what are the challenges that you have seen? Because it's certainly very much a predominantly male industry. And then once you share those challenges, I want you to also tell me, how did you navigate them?
1: Well, that's a very good question. I've only been producing for about four years now, even though I've been in the business for a long time. And I wasn't aware how male-dominated it was until I got into it. I personally have been very lucky. The men I've worked with have been wonderful. They've been mentors. It's still challenging because I don't have women mentors, just men, but they've been lovely and really, really helpful. And I don't know if that experience is the same for other women. I imagine not. I just surrounded myself with the right team.
0: And when the challenges did come, and certainly there were some for sure, how did you navigate them? Did you lean on your mentors? Did you do a little trial and error? How did you? How did you navigate that?
1: Um, I first did trial and error, and that didn't work out so well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So then I started calling my mentors, and then everything changed. So it was having, being humble and not figuring out all my own. So I'm going to
0: stay with this for a second, because you you said something that I think that women listening need to hear. You said you did the trial and error, and that didn't turn out so well, but then you decided to ask for help. To ask others, so many times women won't ask for help. What would you say to them about that?
1: I would say they should, and to not be embarrassed, and you know, find someone smarter than you, someone you can trust, and have them mentor or advise you. Or you know, some of these people I hired, and uh, two of the producers I've been working with for two or three years now, and they, they've been wonderful, and I had no problem saying to them, okay can you teach me this? What am I doing? And that was very helpful. I find some women, they think they're weak, but they ask for help. And that was a mistake I made at the beginning. And I finally just said, I'm not weak. This makes me stronger. So I wish I had done it earlier.
0: So before you got
1: behind the camera,
0: you were a professional big wave surfer and a polo player. How did these careers of adventure prepare you as the strong authority figure that you are
1: today? I think well the big wave windsurfing, you just have to have such stamina, and you have to be so focused and be in the zone. It's very similar to producing films. You just have to be so focused, and uh, you have to have a confidence that even if you don't do well in a contest or something happens, you don't. It's not going the way you want to. Windsurfing helped me learn solutions, problem solving. Because if you're out in 15 foot waves, and your rig goes. You've got to chuck it to the side. You've got to dive for the bottom and, you know, go swim in big waves after your equipment. It's like quick decision-making. So I think it taught me a lot of skill sets. And I think professional athletes have, male and female, have a natural leadership role. It's just having had that experience, it can transfer over.
0: And are there things that women that aren't professional athletes, what could they do to gain some of those same
1: skills? Well, I I think it's just uh, having confidence, not being afraid to ask people you don't know. Uh, You don't always have to be the smartest person in the room. I I think a lot of women think they have to act extra strong and not ask for help in certain situations or just be able to say, hey, I don't know this. How can we solve this problem? And I I think that's a cultural thing. And it's just because it's so male dominated industry that it's, it's natural people but if they realize or other women realize there's another way to do this i I think that would be helpful
0: and i think in that space Cece, that um you know think of the the windsurfing and the polo playing and these adventures that you took they certainly pushed your comfort zone no doubt and i think when we allow ourselves to be comfortable with being uncomfortable there's uh, some brilliant moments of growth that happen in that
1: do you agree with that oh i do I do. And both those sports are male dominated as well. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> so that was some good practice.
0: <laughs> and I kept pushing those skills and, and getting you comfortable with being uncomfortable because there wasn't a lot of people that looked like you in either one of those roles.
1: Yeah. I, I got comfortable being uncomfortable. I got more humble and more humble.
0: So when we are in overwhelm, which certainly has been a lot for so many people in the last two to three years, it's real easy to not deliver on all your promises that you make. What are your thoughts on the importance of doing what you say you're going to do?
1: Oh, it's so important. In Hollywood, there's a lot of people that, you know, say they're going to do something and don't. That's more the norm, especially if you're a newcomer, as far as a producer and running a production company. So I just have a way I go about it where I analyze it. Can we do this or can we not? If we commit to something, we do it. And we can't commit to it, I'm just very upfront. I don't think I can do this, but I might be able to, but I can't promise anything. And the minute you know, I, I've gotten a good reputation for that, the last two directors, I worked with Fred Wolf on 40 Love and Michael Morris on 2 Leslie. Everything I promised them I was going to do, I did, from start to finish. So I think that's really important. I think that's the most important thing, really. As someone breaking into Hollywood, there's so many people just come in and you know, they say they have the money and they don't, or they say they have this lined up and they don't. And so people are very apprehensive about newcomers. So I think that's really important.
0: And that translates to no matter what industry you find yourself in. And I think it really, yeah. And I think it's really important, Cece, if you are a woman in a predominantly male space, because they already are expecting you to not deliver on what you say you can do. I mean, we're already marked. Do you find the same?
1: Yes, you have to prove yourself. And that's in any industry.
0: Absolutely. And it's true for, for all people to a certain extent, but women have another notch up of, that they have to prove and not, not waver from what they say they can do. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this saying, and you've heard it too, you know, fake it till you make it. I'm not sure that's good advice. I think that's, <laughs> good, I think that's bad advice. What do you think? <laughs> I, I,
1: I think that's bad advice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, and I heard that a lot when I was younger. And, um, you know, now that I'm older and wiser, I'm thinking, mm, no, that's not necessarily good advice.
1: I agree. I don't yeah. think I, I heard that growing up as well.
0: Did and you? It yeah. Did, okay.
1: doesn't work out so well.
0: Doesn't work out <laughs> so well. Yeah. I don't know whoever came up with that one, but uh, that needs to
1: be challenged for
0: sure. So as a producer, you sometimes have to be direct and maybe even bossy.
1: Is this ever a problem for those working with you? Well, that's a good question. Sometimes. It depends on the person. So it, it can be. And usually that's someone who isn't, shouldn't be working within a culture. Usually most people understand that. As long as I do it lightly, it's just the nature of the business. You have to say no. And usually people accept it. People ask for a lot more than they should be having. There's nothing wrong to ask, but I have to be comfortable to saying no quite often. And I don't really have to be too bossy i've learned to be less bossy and just be affirmative and very direct instead of being bossy if that makes any sense
0: and do you ever soften that with a smile or a tone of voice oh i do it with a smile <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're asking yeah. to do something tough right i'm getting used to it now it used to make me so uncomfortable but now I just, you know, with a smile, say no, that's not going to work, or this w- this is going to work with a smile, or so. that's not going to happen, <laughs> or that's Sorry. not going to happen. Keep <laughs> yeah, it awesome. light.
0: <laughs> so, you mentioned that you strive to pull other women along with you on your success journey. Are there any points of caution to a woman who is lucky enough to have a woman promote her?
1: Words of caution. Well, sometimes you just have to be careful. There's a boundary between being somebody's boss and being their good friend. And sometimes those lines get crossed. So I've kind of learned to keep more boundaries with certain people I bring along.
0: Okay, so let's stay in this space for a second several ways I want to go with this. How can a woman that is engaged with a mentor like yourself, how would she know what those boundaries are?
1: I guess you just have to respect that person as your boss. So there's a certain etiquette and you can kind of only learn it actually being in the situation It's sort of trial and error. Because how would somebody know that is new to the business, I would say. So I, I think if you're intuitive, you just sort of see the cues and then, you know, you redirect. But I think you can be close friends with your coworkers, and, which I am with all of mine, and people I'm bringing along. But either there is a fine line where you have to keep a little bit of your boundaries.
0: And I think for women, that boundary line is confusing because women are so much into relationships, It doesn't seem to be a blurred line as easily for men. At least that's my experience. But women tend to misread things as friendships when it may not be the typical friendship as they experience with girlfriends.
1: That's a good point. I think you're correct in that. So I think it's harder for women in that sense. It's more challenging.
0: Yeah. I think it's more confusing for them
1: too. Yes.
0: As well. And unless somebody helps them understand that, I think it is a place of confusion that they they, they're, they get miscues and they don't know what it means. So I'm going to stay with this again, because I'm I'm going to dig a little deeper on this whole concept of boundaries. Do you find that it is important for you to have boundaries in other areas of your life? Yes. And give me some examples of what a typical boundary would be for you.
1: Uh, Just in general, it depends whether it's a friend or my family, or just in general, I've just learned stronger boundaries within my personal life. And this would be like with your time or your energy
0: or, or anything uh, uh, that affects who you are and your energy. All of life. the above. Yes, all of the above. Is that something you've always had or did you have to learn that? I had to learn that. Was there pain along that learning?
1: Yes, because it's really frustrating and it's stressful when you feel like you have to please everybody. And then you realize, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind and nice to everybody, but you can't please everybody. It takes your energy and it takes away from your own success and focus. So I I just learned that the hard way. You know, you can't do favors for everybody.
0: Did that show up, the hard learning? Did did it actually take a ding on your career or your health? No,
1: no, luckily, because I caught it in time. Okay, all right, good.
0: So I'm going to stay with that just for a second, because in that space of not having boundaries, you can find yourself approaching the edge of burnout. When you find that for yourself, even these days, what do you do about it? Because driven women I, like you and I can get to that burnout
1: edge awfully quick. It, it depends w- whether it's work related, whether it's uh, friendship related, or, or other things. I just identify it now, and I, I do get burnout. But I'll do things. Like I'll go get a massage, or I'll. I have a new thing now. Uh, my best friend that I'm staying with here in Georgia, we go to dinner every night because I work all day. I roll out of bed until dinner time working. And I made a thing now, every night we go to dinner together, where we order taken together. Or, you know, if I feel really tired from traveling, I'll just take a couple hours and go find somewhere to get a massage. You know, I just sort of stop and find a little more balance. Because at one point, I was just working around the clock. I mean, until like midnight every night, I go to bed and work again. And I didn't find that too healthy. It was just getting me tired. For sure. For sure.
0: And there's a lesson in that for all women listening is that we really need to be careful. The more driven you are, the quicker you can get to that edge of burnout. And, oh, you can. And it's not a pretty sight, is it?
1: No. <laughs> a, a good example is, uh, you know, even uh, when I was down in Austin, I have a lot to coordinate for the South by Southwest Festival for Two Leslie. And I, I just realized I can't do this all. You know, I need a party planner. You know, I need some other people on the ground there. And I was getting really overwhelmed just thinking about managing it all. I still manage it, but now I have more people on the ground there, which will take more pressure off me so I can actually do my job instead of playing a party.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Do you think sometimes it's easy to get caught in thinking you can do it all? Yes. Like nobody else can do it as well as you can?
1: Yes. It depends what it is. Sometimes it's easier to get stuff done yourself and you just have to identify what those things are. Hmm. What's quicker for me to, to do or what's quicker for somebody else that maybe I don't have that skill set, they could do it way faster and better.
0: Right. And that eliminates a lot of frustration. So what kind of leader are you?
1: Uh, that's a good question. I think uh, I'm a strong leader, but very nice. You know, I do everything. I treat people the way I would want to be treated. So I always think of that. If I were in that person's position, how would I want someone to talk to me? Or how would I want them to treat me in any given situation? So I think that's the best way I can explain it.
0: And do you find that uh, there are men directors and producers in Hollywood that share the same style?
1: Yes. Uh, the ones I've worked with, Fred Wolf and Michael Morris, is amazing. They set the tone from the top. The way they treat the actors, the way they treat everybody on the set, and the way they talk to people, it's just, they're, they're just great role models. So I've lucked out. I've worked with great directors. As a producer.
0: And do you find that there are people, men and women on the other side, that maybe aren't so nice in terms to work with?
1: Yes. I won't see any names. <laughs>
0: of course not. No, we don't want to identify those. No,
1: no I don't get in trouble.
0: <laughs> you will get nasty grams going to them. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but the thing that I find interesting is that what you shared as your leadership style, often people don't think of men being nice and kind and family oriented and all that. And I find that is not necessarily true at all. That those leadership traits can show up not just in females, but in males and vice versa. When that nasty side can show up in female leaders just as much as it can in in male leaders.
1: I agree, that's correct.
0: So how about other film industry women leaders? Are they approachable? You know, I don't really know
1: any. I I work with all men, really. I mean, I work with a, a few women and, you know, they're great. But as far as the ones that are, you know, more experienced than me, I just don't know any, which is really, I guess it makes sense. If only, I think you said 20% or 30% of all producers are women and the rest are men. So I guess it would make sense. I'd have more men, uh, mentors and partners. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We need to change that ratio, don't we? Yes, we do. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) C. C., is there anything about your journey to greatness that we haven't covered that you'd like to share with the other women?
1: I would just say treat everyone how you'd want to be treated. Find your passion and stick with it because that will give you the energy to keep going when you fail because there's always failure. I don't know anyone who succeeded without failing first. So, not to get down about failing, but maybe redirect. Okay, who could I call as a mentor? What different approach could I take? Because obviously, you know, something's not working to keep hitting walls, make a new strategy. I think that will be the best. That's what I did. You know, I wish I had done it earlier.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame we have to have a lot of skin knees before we get to that. (laughs) Exactly. And before I wrap up this interview, you got, right before we came on uh, here very recently, you got some very good news about your latest film that you produced. Do you want to share that with our listeners?
1: Oh, yes. It's very exciting. It's uh, called To Leslie. It's going to South by Southwest. Michael Morris is the director. We have uh, Andrea Risenborough, Mark Marin, Allison Janney. It's a great cast. We shot it during COVID, the height of COVID. I wasn't sure if I was uh, crazy or ballsy, but it turns out it was ballsy. And we didn't shut down during COVID. Nobody got COVID. We wrapped December 24th, and now it's going to South by Southwest. So it's pretty exciting. We have amazing cast. We also have Stephen Root, Andrea Rojo, Owen Teague. And it was all shot on film by Michael Morris. So it's it's very exciting.
0: For those that aren't as familiar with the film industry, you want to explain to them what Southwest Southwest means so that they know the significance of that?
1: It's a really big festival. It has the music world there. It has the tech world. And it also has a film element to it, which has gotten really big. So it's probably the biggest film festival. I think it's uh, Sundance, South by Southwest, and Cannes, and one other one are, are the biggies. So it's pretty exciting.
0: It's very exciting, and congratulations on what is thank sure you. to be one of many successes to come. Thank, thank, you. thank you so much, Cece, for taking time. I know this is a, with all this excitement happening with you being accepted into that festival and all this recognition that's going on. I know you've been working like a crazy woman. And and I thank you for taking time to share your wisdom of nuggets with those listening.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: And Cece is another great example of how women are challenging the norm, making things happen and demanding their own greatness. So join me next time on the World's Greatest Women Show as another powerful woman story unfolds.